I've always believed that if you can impact one life in your lifetime, like really have a really profound positive impact on one life, you've already done it enough. That's kind of how I look at Remember Niger too, is we're, it's not about the numbers, although it is, but it's not, it's about the individuals. Mm. When I think about the people who influenced me, it's the people who just like, they didn't focus on the negative qualities that I have, or you know what I mean? They didn't focus on what they perceived as like, they just saw all the good in me. It's like, I just, so I really try hard. I know I I fail at it, but I try to do that for people. On this episode of ChatGPC, we have a conversation recorded with Kara Vanderkamp and Julie Fry. This episode is on the longer side. I just couldn't bring myself to edit much of any of this conversation in which Kara and Julie share their stories of how they became involved in the Remember Niger Coalition and what their hopes and dreams are for their work in that fascinating country. The Remember Niger Coalition is an incredible ministry partner for Georgetown Presbyterian Church, and I hope you'll be inspired by the stories Kara and Julie have to share. Now for my conversation with Kara and Julie of Remember Niger. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you, Kara and Julie of Remember Niger, because what I think that we've gotten quite a, quite a lot of, not enough, certainly, and we can go into those topics as well, but... I feel like we know a lot about Remember Niger and we know about you in your official capacity. Yeah. You know, CEO and Julie, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't remember what your title is, but if you remind us. Director of Communications. Director of Communications. Um, but what I'm really interested in and I think is is very fascinating is are your backstories. Oh, yeah. How you got <laughs> to this place where, you know, you yeah. felt this need, you answered this call and you yeah. made this a, such a big part of your life. So maybe yeah. we could start there. Yeah. 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 Oh, sure. Kara, yeah. Is that you... the question? That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Right after, after college, I went to Kenya and taught there, taught missionary children for two years. And uh, had a phenomenal experience at that point, like, Africa was not on my radar at all. I just, you know, after graduating from college, I thought I really wanted an adventure. And my grandmother, she gave me the magazine, the church magazine, and they were looking for teachers. And I thought, okay, I'll apply to that. I'm applying to everything else. And so one thing led to another, ended up in Kenya uh, for a couple of years. And then I loved it. I had such a great experience, but then came back. I wanted to teach. So I taught in at this private school in Chicago in Chicago called Circle Rock Preparatory School. I taught fourth grade for four years. But I always kind of had in the back of my mind that I wanted to get back to to Africa. I had some connections from Kenya, actually. The one of the missionaries there had became the director of missions for, I believe it was for the Reformed Church. But they worked in partnership with the Presbyterian Church. And so she said, Kara, you know, there's this job in Niger. I think, you know, you would be really good, well-suited for it. Um, It's this job where you would be working with local churches, helping them to start schools. And I I was like, Debbie, that sounds really great. I think, you know, it does sound right up my alley, but I'm going to graduate school. I'm going to go to get my my degree or my master's degree in international educational development from Teachers College, Columbia, up in mm-hmm. New York. 
And so she, she's like, okay, okay. So um, I did that. And then that job was still available when I graduated, <laughs> which should have been my first clue, right? Right. You know, it's like, yeah. Right. That, it's like, so, so I was like, cool, this is exactly what I want to do because, you know, I, I really felt passionately about the fact that I, I didn't want to go in and just like, like I wanted to get back to Africa. I wanted to be helpful where I could be helpful, but I really wanted to work with Nigerians in this case. Like I, I wanted to support them. I didn't want to be like the lead person. I just wanted to be able to come alongside of them and, and help them. And what I loved about this project, what really attracted me to it was the fact that it was this Nigerian denomination that had a vision for their country and for, for their, um, for their churches, basically. like So they were starting uh, schools through their local churches. And so that was exciting to me. And I went over to Niger. I think the passion for me, though, comes from like what a lot of people probably don't know is that I had a super difficult experience, like the, mm-hmm. the two years that I was there. It was a three-year assignment, but then really the first year I was trying to learn French. And then when I got to Niger, I went in and I lived with a Nigerian family because that's what I wanted. Like, I really wanted to be immersed in the culture. And I, I did not anticipate how difficult life is in Niger because I had been in Kenya where in, in the difference between Kenya and Niger is like night and day. I had a Kenyan friend who in Niger who was in culture shock because mm-hmm. it's, it's that different. And that's why when people talk about Africa, really you've got to talk about individual countries because they're all very different. There's some similarities, but they're different. But so anyway, so I was with this Nigerian family and I, um, I, I just had a lot of stomach issues even early on. And then about eight months in, I came down with malaria Mm. and I had no idea what to do. And and to be honest with you, I felt like at that time, especially back in the early two thousands, like the Nigerian family didn't know what to do with me, you know, kind of. And so, because in, in that's the thing about Niger too, is like, even Nigerians don't really know where to get healthcare from. Like mm. they don't always know what to do. And and what you find, this is sort of a side note, but is that people um, tend to, they tend to wait too long to get help in Niger. Like, so something that could be treated, like you could kind of um, take care of right away. And it's a simple problem becomes really a big problem. And often people die because they waited too long. And so I just happened to have met a missionary. Um, so I went to a clinic and I got, you know, they didn't even think malaria. They were just thinking, you know, you must have bacterial dysentery. We'll give you some antibiotics. And then I ran into a missionary who I met previously. And she's like, no, no, we were going to go get you tested for malaria. And so sure enough, I had malaria. And then they um, gave me some medicine for it. But it was really a strong medicine and I couldn't keep it down. And so I ended up in this clinic with malaria by myself um, and like strapped to an IV in this medicine. It was quinine. So if anybody knows about, if you know about quinine, quinine is like, it is, I say it's worse than the malaria. Like when you're being treated with it, cause it just knocks you out, but it's, it's great that they gave it to me because it knocks the malaria out too. And, you know, after three days in this clinic thinking this is it, I'm going to die, you know, kind of thing. 
I got out because I was like, I basically checked myself out. I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, and so that was an experience that kind of shifted my perspective because it helped me understand. It's like, okay, I'm, I, as an American, I'm having all these issues, you know, and I'm having a hard time finding healthcare. How do Nigerians do this? You know, like, how do they navigate this? I'm and, so glad you're sharing this because I've only heard you in all this speaking I've heard you do. I've never heard you share this, this. story. Oh, I'm sorry. I, and, and, and it's I'm, so it's, important. You're going to edit everything I know. No, but it's so <laughs> yeah. important. You yeah. Know, because yeah. It's, it's what you well, experienced and it was hard. And you did say to me, Julie, I, I, I thought that was it. I thought I was dying. And this is this is where I'm going to die. Yeah, I, yeah. I totally did. Because yeah. I had never experienced malaria is unlike any other thing that I had had. What, what, what are the just because not probably not many people have had malaria. Like what mm-hmm. what is it like? Well, it's it's different. Like it's different than the flu. First of all, like the thing about malaria is it, and I suppose this is similar to like COVID or anything that you have, like it, it kind of attacks you where you're weakest. Mm. So my stomach was the weakest. So when I woke up, but I remember waking up that morning and thinking, this is different. Something's not right. And so, um, and then I had dysentery with it is how it presented in me. I didn't have headaches. I just mm. had, I had, but I had a fever. And so you get your fever every time the malaria starts to reproduce is mm. in your body. So it's cyclical, basically. The fevers are and stuff. Mm. It depends a little bit on what type of malaria you have to, like how it presents. Well, I think part of the reason I'm telling this story is because I think sometimes we gloss things over a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. But really, for yeah. me, the passion and the joy of what I, of the work that we do is because of the struggle. Really? Yeah, I know I know that that's true. And yeah, because it's it just connected me to Niger in a way that I I think I could have just been like, yeah, you know. Do you th- do you think I mean that's really interesting. Do you yeah. think if you had not gotten malaria that you would have continued on? Is that essentially? Well, I I think the malaria, I mean, I had enough stomach issues that that might have, like, but that first two years, I'll honestly, honestly, like, I had so many conversations with people about, like, should I just quit? Should I just Mm -hmm. come home? You know, like, and I, you know, and I, I really grappled with that. Like, I would listen to podcasts about, like, quitting, when do you quit? You know, those kind of things, because it's like, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't, you know, but I also like the other thing is, so I was still in Niamey at that time. And then I, um, I won't go into the backstory on it, but I got moved to, I I moved to Marathi and Ibrahim Abdu, who I had been, you know, I was working with on this project on education. He was my point person. He moved, he and his family moved to Marathi also. And that's when things really like it did get better to a certain degree for various reasons but um that too like we had a committee an education committee like that was formed at that time as well like before that we were working with one professor essentially and he was never available to me you know and all those things Mm. and so once we got the committee together I think it was sort of a combination of like the struggle and then really feeling like the committee, we were one, like we, we definitely had a similar vision, like the same vision and the passion for education. And 
the Tiberi boarding school is right there. Mm-hmm. So I spent quite a lot of time out there. I did soccer with the girls and, you know, like was able to just kind of engage in more personal ways. But I will say when I came back to the United States, I, I thought, okay, I will continue. I'm happy to continue to speak in churches and try to maybe raise a little money for the people over there, but I'm going to go get a job. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking for a job, and this is sort of like kind of a funny story too. I had met an American prof- uh, American University professor when I was in Niger. She had brought a, some students over there, uh, which was kind of random because I've never met people in that way over in Niger again. Like, but so she and she and I stayed in touch. And so when I was looking for a job here, we'd get together and we'd talk and. One time we were at the Starbucks up in uh, Chevy Chase, and we were sitting there chatting, and I was like, I just don't know what I'm going to do for a job. And she said, Kara, you know, the only thing you seem to get excited about is uh, is Niger. Like, when you talk about Niger mm-hmm. and the work there, she said, I think you should start a nonprofit organization oh, and wow. work there. So, And then, you know, I met other people at Minnesota and all of that. And so really that was, like, how all of this really began. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was really long, and I know you're going to no, do a great job of editing. I don't it, think and I, I apologize. Want to edit that <laughs> like, at all because it's that yeah. is really yeah. yeah. It's it's all there, right? It's it's yeah. very complete, and and I think it's interesting to hear that. Um, you know, that's what I was sort of waiting for in this story. So like, when does Remember Niger, the nonprofit, yeah. start? Yeah, yeah. And it's like this conversation. You see, so you you were going to get a job. And let and maybe work here part time, and then go over there part time, and then come yeah. back and work. And well, probably work here more. I wasn't planning on going back to Niger, and that's part of it too. Like, so when I got back to the United States, also like I just needed to recover, and that the methylcoin has a really long half life, mm. and so it took a long time for me to get past that. And and so traveling back to Niger was not at all interesting to me. Like I, I mean, I was afraid, honestly. Yeah. And so when the first trip back with Remember Niger, it was this really wonderful woman, Ruth Jones, who helped me start Remember or help us yeah. start Remember Niger. She amazing, amazing woman um, who I could. Yeah, yeah, go on about yeah. But she and another woman, Pat McKisson, also an amazing person who helped us get started. Um, we did the first trip to Niger, and I was I was really afraid, I have to say. And, like, because, you know, and it also, I don't think there was a lot of terrorist activity at that time. I think it was more probably the food, but anyway, it, it just, I think... But I think that's the thing is like when you overcome things like that, and I'm not saying there are things like that's the question. Like when do you when do you continue on and when do you not? But for me, the fact that I did continue on, just you know, it's by grace. I think, but you know, by it was a blessing that I was able to because now I love it. Like mm. there's nothing else I would rather be doing. Like I just love what we do. I love the people we work with. There's just so much joy in it, right? And yeah, so- and whatever you were saying about the person who told you, Kara, when you talk about Africa, that's when you come to life. Yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. remember your exact words, yeah. but that's the way you are now. That I see in you when you're in Niger and we talk on the phone. Yeah. There's this joy in your voice yeah i, I mean really over there. yeah that's true yeah yeah that's true it's so. you know it's interesting because you talk about listening to podcasts around the 
the idea of when to quit. Yeah. I remember hearing this one recently, and maybe you've heard this as well, about the importance of failing fast. Like if you try something and and it doesn't, Mm -hmm. and it's not working for you to like that, they're, it's mainly from the perspective of businesses and things, Mm -hmm. people who, who stick at something and it never works versus the people who try something out, give it a, you know, dig into it and it doesn't work and they fail and move on and start something else. And all of these, these famous entrepreneurs that we think about have these, this history of failures, but they, but they did them quickly and then moved to the next thing. Yeah. And on the other side of that is a story like (laughs) yours. And I think actually, you know, if you decided in this first little while, look, I got stomach issues, got malaria. I think some people might even say, um, I think this is a sign from God, you know? Right, right. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. That's right. I've heard, though, we've yeah. all heard those stories, That's right? right? Yeah. Like you know? God was telling me he was closing one door, and then I went to the United States, and then you start a, an education nonprofit in the U.S., but yeah. that's not what you did. Right. Another conversation that I has stayed with me through the years is that when I I was sort of building you up and, and you know, Kara, you've done this amazing thing. How did you – what made you decide to, to like, you know – go over to Niger and, you know, build these schools. And, and I remember you said to me, Julie, it's not, I didn't, it's not like what I chose that I wanted to do. She right, said, right. You said, how, yeah. could, how could I not? Yeah. Yeah. And after being with the people and that's the thing about it too. Like, I think there's just so many different ways that you can come at this because like, it's not just one thing. Like, it's not just the struggle, but I think too, like, for me, there's a deep sense of responsibility because once you know that this is happening, right. that this exists, you can't not respond, right. you know, like it's in, and I think, I think yeah. too, it's like, it's not just the need, it's the opportunity because there are so many people in Niger, organizations, churches that they want to start schools for yeah. their, their children. And there's so many people who they have the vision, they have the skills, they have what it, you know, they need to do it, but they lack funding, Mm -hmm. you know, they lack, you know, and it's not just the funding, like it's, they lack someone coming alongside of them saying, you know, okay, we will help you. Like we will, we're here, you know, like if you, if you need, you're not going to fail basically is Mm -hmm. what we're saying. Yeah. And, you know, it's not to say that we do everything because I, you know, as I was saying in adult ed today, it's like our our partners sacrifice a lot. It is harder than they think it's going to be. Like when they start out, you know, they're mm. all very optimistic, and it, which is great. But you get in three years into the school, mm. two years into the school, and, and those are the hardest years, are those first few years when they're building the schools year grade by grade. And I think, you know, second, third year, they're thinking – what are we doing? Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's really where they need us the most. Yeah. It's like, you know, and we really work hard to balance our support so that we're not giving too much, you know, but just enough so that they can keep going. And then, you know, once they're through sixth grade, they're golden. And yeah. then we kind of, it's so fun because when they get through sixth grade, it's like, we sit, you know, we'll sit in a group like this and we, we'll just reminisce yeah. about remember those years of struggle. Mm. And, you know, it's yeah. like, but yeah. the, and they did it. They did it. Like they made it happen. They made it work. And it's like they can, you know, feel really, really proud of that and feel good about it. It's their school. You well, know? And you can see that when in the in the different schools, which mm-hmm. now as I 
reflect on it more, the, their stages of development are more ev- are evident. Yeah, you know, yeah, where they exactly. are along the way, For sure. and, yeah. and that's really kind of exciting. Julie, yeah. what about yeah. you? Like, how did you? What's your journey to this place? When did you start to get involved, and or what, when so, did you first hear about Remember Niger? It's a little hard to um, follow that. No, you have an amazing story. <laughs> story, Julie. That's why I'm so eager. I'm happy. You're, well, it's very different than yeah. yours, as it would be. So I'm a graphic designer, artist. By from from my childhood, I always wanted to create and do make art, and I have a degree in graphic design, and I had a great flourishing business as a graphic designer, and I was very dedicated to my church, James Island Presbyterian in Charleston, and uh, I had actually been having a prayer conversation with God about how to sort of bring more meaning into what I was doing with my time on a daily basis. Um, Because graphic design is great. I love the creative process. I'm a nerd. I mean, I love type. I love paper. I love the way the ink smells. (laughs) But I'm like, okay, God, is what else? You know? And, but the flip side of that is that I don't think I really wanted to know because... (laughs) my life changed, which all for the better. But (laughs) I heard Kara speak at a Wednesday night Mm -hmm. dinner, you know, we had our dinners in the gym, the church gym, and she had her projector and she was telling the stories about the children in Niger. And there was something that really grabbed me, something that made me feel very close to those children. And I never felt that sense of connection before. I'd seen lots of presentations, lots of missionaries, but there was something special about this that made me feel like I could do something hmm. that would actually, that was real. Like it would, it would be real. It wouldn't just be that I was making myself feel better or, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but, I remember totally the sense of unrest in my seat as I sat there in that very uncomfortable folding chair. I remember like totally having a push-pull with myself, God, I mean, whatever. It Because I'm like, Julie, just stay in the chair. <laughs> Don't get up. <laughs> Don't go talk to her. Um, because, you know, when you put your – when you volunteer – you don't know where that's going to go. But yeah. I'm so, I mean, that I will never forget that mm-hmm. night. I will never forget that conversation. I remember Kara saying one of the things she said in her presentation that got me, and you were just talking about this in a different way, but you used the words, and you showed a picture of a ladder, actually, when you oh, yeah. when you use these words. And you said, you know, they have everything they need, the, the Nigerian people and and our partners, they just, they have everything they need. They have a plan. They have everything in place. They just need help getting to the bottom rung of the ladder. And, and yeah. Yeah. And there was something about that was like, yeah, I want, I, I want in on that, you know? Yeah. So I talked to Kara that night and I just said, I, you know, I don't have money. I don't have any much to give, but I'm a graphic designer. Yeah. And I'm sure I was like, I remember Perfect. your like, jaw just exactly. went, oh, we need a graphic designer. Exactly. <laughs> Our relationship just kind of bloomed and mm-hmm. that graphic design has meaning and purpose. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. that I yeah. was looking for. Yeah. I was looking for something else. Yeah. And, yeah. No matter what you're doing, no matter how much meaning it has, right. when you run into something like Nigerian children, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, yeah. And, and you see a whole nother side of humanity uh, in this amazing globe that we live on, it really does prompt you to think about your life and how short it is and how yes um, and what it is that yeah. you, you might want to experience and contribute and give back and and I struggle I have to say like in 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 all honesty I really struggle sometimes with the relative small difference that any one thing that I or even me with a team of people could do for the problems of the earth or Mm -hmm. for the problems of a particular place. And so I think I was particularly inspired by you, Kara, and the way that we had a conversation about this, like what, you know, you build one school, but Mm -hmm. then on the drive to that school, you see, uh, uh, you know, 50, a hundred, a thousand times more children that you'll never be able to reach. And, and how do you, how how do you just go to this one place like even you know the Sibiri school which yeah. is so wonderful and and i don't want to say forget but like on some level just r- recognize that that this is the good that you're able to do or this is the good that you're doing no i understand what you're saying i think well f- for one thing i would say like when you were saying that what what occurred to me is that i've always believed like and I genu—I don't know why I believe this, but I genuinely believe that if you can impact one life in your lifetime, like really have a really profound positive impact on one life, you've already done en- enough, you know, like, and I think that's kind of how I look at Remember Niger too, is we're, it's not about the numbers, although it is, but it's not, it's about the individuals. Mm. And what we do is, about relationships because I I also believe that real change occurs through relationships. You know, when you think about the people who had the biggest impact on your life, it's, you know, it's, it's those people that really cared for you were, you know, kind of your biggest cheerleader, you know, like, and they believed in you, you know, they really saw something in you. And so, you know, I tell the story about Shehu who, you know, just real quickly, I'll, I'll, I won't go into details about it, but when he was a young boy, there was a missionary who, um, she asked him, do you want to go to school? Which I think is the neatest yeah. part of that story because it's like, she didn't just say, hey, I'm going to put you in school or, you know, whatever. Yeah. She asked him, do you want to go to school? And he said, yes. And so he ended up going to the Tiberi boarding school. Hmm where he did really, really well. He ended up getting, you know, a scholarship to go on to a good middle school, high school, did well, got another scholarship to go. He went to Nigeria where he uh, studied to be an English teacher. Hmm. Came, he came back to um, Niger, was an administ, or he was an English teacher and then worked his way into administration and within the ministry of education, like at public schools and stuff. And, but, was a Christian. Um, it, he became a Christian when he was at the Tiberi boarding school. And, uh, so he ended up at the church in Madawa. He was working there and that's how we met him. And, and I asked him one time, I'm like, how did you, how, what's your story? Which would be a great podcast actually. Um, right. he told me that story and he said, you know, Kara, the reason I want to start this school is because I want to ask the kids in my 
you know, in my neighborhood, in my church, do you want to go to school? Mm. He's like, you know, and so to me, that's like, and look at that, that school is thriving. That's Madawa, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like 447 students there. Every year, all of the kids graduate and pass the exam, are able to go on to middle school. They want to have a middle school there. They want to have a high school there. And so you think about all of those kids who are little shehus, you know what I mean? And like, you just don't know the impact that they're going to have. And not only that, but then shehu, actually, he retired, went to Tawa, where we didn't get to. We didn't go to Tawa. But with his church there, they started a school. And so it's like, you know, I mean, it's like, I just think you don't know when you impact a life like that, you don't know how that's going to ripple out into the rest of the community, the country. But I kind of do. Like, I know where this is going. Like, Niger is going to, you know, I know people think, Nigerians think I'm crazy <laughs> Like when I say this. But I know that that country is, you know, it's it's going somewhere. Like, it's, it, there's just so much possibility and opportunity there. that, And the people there are just, they're great. They're really amazing people. And so, you know, the verse that always comes to mind when I think of Niger is the proverb isn't a proverb where um the first shall be last and the last shall be first and i always think about that because i'm like you know niger is typically one of the least developed countries on the human development index and so i think you know i always think people better be nice to nigerians because they're going to be they're going to be first someday so but that what you just uh, illustrated is exactly what you're saying about the people who influence us the most are the ones who have who have confidence, who have That's faith right. in us, who yeah. see in us see something us that we don't see, in us. Yeah. right? Yeah. We, that we don't see in ourselves. Yeah, That's right. And that is that's what you're you and and your organization are offering to Niger, which is right. the kind yeah. of and yeah. sometimes that's what we need. We need somebody outside of ourselves to to look at us and say, "Hey, you may not think this about yeah. yourself, but you've got something." Yeah, you know, you've got something going. Well, we all need that, right? We all need yeah. like I think about the people in my life who it. have kind of like I think cheerleader is the best word because they just I don't know why they believe in me but they do you know and it's like it it really like what you're saying yeah sorry I I think I was just thinking about the teachers that that we met I mean talking about encouraging and and supporters and making seeing those children each individually and believing wholeheartedly what do you want to be when you grow up oh you want to be president okay you can be president you know i I mean how incredible is that that yeah those teachers are yeah there's they see each child as like you can absolutely do that yeah yeah Yeah. but i and i want to say this too like i think it's super important that it's it's not really about remember niger like that's where i i get you know, it's about our partners. Mm. Like they're the ones doing yeah. the work day in and day out. Like they deserve yeah. all of the credit for yeah. what they're doing and they deserve our support. Yeah. But, you know, I've always thought that Remember Niger, it's it's a little bit difficult when you're trying to raise money, but we should be, you know, we should be, you know, off the radar. We should, you know, because I feel, I want people, when they look at Niger, they, I want them to see our partners. I want them to see... Yeah how amazing they are we we come alongside of them and we build school buildings you yeah. know and in the sponsorship program is critical for them especially in the beginning in those beginning years because that money 
pays for these children who otherwise wouldn't be in school and and then it pays for the salaries of the teachers you know yeah. there aren't that many kids aren't enough kids to uh, be able who are paying at that point to be able to totally pay for the salaries and stuff and so so yes I mean our partnership is it's critical to them but I will say this like you get to the point where we aren't as critical to them you mm. know like we have a school at Zendaya where they are preschool all the way through high school wow. and they aren't dependent on us at all yeah. you know and, yeah. and that makes me so it makes me happy you yeah. know it's yeah. like it's great and in yeah. fact we're now i realize yeah. i went off on a tangent and adult ed and didn't finish my thought on that but it's like you know we're getting to the point where it's like they're going to graduate out of kind of That's our right. program you know That's right we'll always have the opportunity to send students there like who otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to have a quality education like through our sponsorship program through our scholarship program but but they are i mean they're independent they don't need us anymore and that's really the goal is yeah. to get them to that point i mean ideally what i would love to see is ha them help other people start schools yeah. then um, but that seems like maybe it's a little bit further down the road what are the challenges that have been elevated by by this moment in political history? And then what what would you like to see happen there? Do you mean like with the political situation right well, now? Well, yeah. How does that like, challenge the work that, you, that you're doing? You know, Julie yeah. was just saying like the work is continuing, which is great. But right. like what are some are, what are some of the additional challenges that have been introduced by this this latest situation? Well, yeah. So in the short term, some of the challenges have been like because of the sanctions, um, you know, obviously there's the food shortages and the high prices and stuff. And so we've been able to do some food distribution, but also with the sanctions is money. And so we've been having to do like, we, you know, our transfers over there have, we've been had, we've had to be really strategic about it. Like which projects, you know, it, it, they're all so important. And so then it's like, okay, you know, like I'll send money here for this. Like you can, it's like, I usually do 10 to 12,000 at a time. Usually I would do quite a bit more than that, maybe two or three times more than that at a, at a transfer. So we've been doing, you know, between 10 and 12,000. And then Ibrahim can get, because he knows the banker there. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, I mean, it's, is a good relationship with everybody. And so in Ibrahim is like, he's amazing. Like yeah. the way he's able, like with bureaucracies and stuff, he's like, he's, he's so patient and he's able to work through things. And, uh, yeah, we're just lucky to have him. But so he can get out about five to $6,000 at a time. Mm -hmm. And, um, especially since we've been doing this food distribution too, the banker, they like that. They're like, okay, it's to feed yeah. the disabled people. Yes. We're going to, you know, yeah. you can get this money out. So then it kind of gives us a little bit more freedom to be able yeah. to do other stuff too. Um, so anyway, so that, that would be the short term, I would say the other short term is, our school's going to start in October when they're supposed to. Mm. Um, it, I mean, it would just be really devastating, I think, to Nigerians if they are, you know, already the education situation isn't great. But then if they're out of school for yeah. more time, you know, it's it's not great. Um, so that would be the short term. Long term, I have some hope. Mm. I think... A lot of times you can, these types of stressful 
periods like, you know, turmoil, periods of turmoil can actually turn into really good things. Hmm. So I'm hoping that maybe out of this turmoil will arise a very strong leader hmm. who will um, help direct the country in a way that it needs to go. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm like hesitant to say too much about that, but that's my hope. Yeah. You, you've been at this for, you know, 15 years now. Yeah. Um, what is, what are the next, what's the next decade look like for, for you hmm. and for, and for Great Julie? Yeah. What does the next decade look like, Kara? Yeah, tell, you tell me, Julie. <laughs> like, Gosh. Um, yeah. I mean, for Remember Niger, I think, um, there's there's so much more work to be done and so we could i would love to see us expand our capacity so that we can have an even bigger impact mm. without losing those relationships i think that's the challenge is to grow bigger and do more but still you know be able to meet with the partners and have those really trusting relationships um so We'll graduate schools and we'll bring new partners in. And I think we'll just, we're going to continue on with the work that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. God willing. I love your illustration. I think I'm going to be thinking about this for a long time, which is that if you as one person manage to deeply influence and, and change the course of one other person's life, boy, on some level, that's a really low bar. But on another yeah, level, yeah. it's a it's a, a huge bar. You know yeah. what I mean? It's both. Yeah. yeah. Because like, what yeah. a gift you could give to one other person, mm-hmm. and and yet the inspiration of that is that it's achievable. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. De- it's deeply yeah. achievable. Exactly. You know, and, it's so exactly. true. When you were saying, who do you think about the the person who believed in you? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I want to be that some. Yeah. I want to be that to somebody. Yeah, yeah like, somebody. I know, because, okay, can I just say this, like, because I think about this all the time, about how, like, it's not the people who tried to control me or were, like, you know, right. like, you know, I mean, honestly, like, when I think about the people who influenced me, it's the people who just, like, they didn't focus on the negative qualities that I have, or, you know what I mean? Right. They didn't focus on what they perceived as, yeah. like, they just saw all the good in me. And yeah, it's like, yeah. I just, so I really try hard. I know I, I fail at it, but I try to do that for people, yeah. like focus on. Yeah. We should, yeah. yeah. They didn't try to change you. They just tried yeah. to, to see what it was in you. They, they, they wanted you to see what, what you had inside yourself yeah. that could do something great, you know? Yeah. But in doing that, they actually did change me <laughs> like you know yeah, that's sort yeah. of like it's well, almost kind of ironic true. in a way because it's like they weren't trying to change me but it's like i don't know anyway yeah, that's yeah. true we could have a long well where philosophical so where do you go today julie i go back to charleston yeah. today yeah. Yeah. yeah okay yeah yeah time to go back home time to go back home and kara and i have already decided we're gonna have several talk sessions this week yeah. working at our desks yeah mm-hmm. and kara yeah. you're here in, in country for the next foreseeable i'm here hopefully till january is kind of my plan right now is to go back in january yeah yeah Yeah. hopefully things will something will have happened (laughs) like to get get the country back to normal or a new normal yeah yeah Yeah. what do you find as a as a culture shock when you come back to the united states i mean the thing that i always notice are the roads yeah and it's like they're so amazing. Like people here do not like if you 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 have to spend time in a country like Niger because it's like 
not only do we have good roads, but there are so many of them. Yeah. Like in these va- like enormous highway systems and like I think it's just the beauty of the United States and like the vastness of mm-hmm. it and all. Like I mean, the Niger is beautiful too. I don't mean it like that at all. It really is a beautiful country, but it's like, yeah, that's you, the biggest thing for me. Is it's like funny you you say that because when that was I, that's one of the first things I thought of too when I got picked up um, from the airport at, at Dulles. And normally, you know, the roads in D.C. are not celebrated for their smoothness. I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. But in contrast, <laughs> right? Even even coming through Georgetown on some of the cobblestones yeah. and some of the bumps and things, my my thought was, oh my god, this car is so quiet. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, and it's so smooth. And I was like, in the air is it working? Is working. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah totally. it was like incredible. I couldn't yeah. believe yeah. how smooth. And I drove home, and and I was looking around, and then the roads are just like flowing softly under yes. the tires. And yeah, we and that and that for me, honestly. That reminds me of of probably the the most important takeaway from this um, trip. What for me was a sense mm. of gratitude. Yeah. And and not gratitude like oh I'm so glad that I that I you know that I don't live like right. those people. If you pull back even farther, the fact that we're on this little planet, yeah, yeah. we've not even we've not seen any other world like it mm-hmm. in all of our technology right. ability to look mm-hmm. at. We can't right. we, for the life of us. We can't find anything like it, and here we are on it. And so, you know, how do you treat that opportunity? Do you mm-hmm. do you do you treat it with with um, gratitude, right? Or do you treat it with, you know, oh, the roads, or right. oh my, you know, my right. stupid car, or whatever it is? Like, you're stupid if you do that because yeah. you're missing out on on the great blessings yeah. of life. You know, and I totally agree with that. Like, I just think when I think about my life and the opportunities I have. Mm. I just think it, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's exactly what you're saying. But, like, I mean, think about me as a woman. I mean, yeah. not, it's not that long ago that I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. Totally. And then not only that, but, like, I feel like, you know, I know people have different mixed, you know, they have mixed feelings about social media and about technology and all of that. But 